Great to have you here to worship with you. And now to get into God's word, I want to invite you to open up to Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter 24, the last chapter of the book of Joshua. And let me bring you up to where we're at. This is a series called Seven, and it's uh, being intentional with seven key areas of our lives. And uh, we believe, we believe that everyone can leave a godly legacy by following Jesus in seven areas of life. And tonight we're going to be talking about this second area of your family, your family. You know what, as I think about it, God has blessed Cheryl and me with, uh, with, with three boys and uh, I want to leave a legacy with them. I want them to have Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you're seeking Jesus and you're following Jesus, I know you want to leave that with your children. But you know what? This isn't just an issue with uh, people who have children. This is, this is for singles. Because there are people all around us who are catching things from us. And you don't have to have kids before things, people are catching things from you. And you don't have to have the kids home anymore before people are catching things from you. You're leaving a legacy. We just want that to be a, lo- a godly legacy. And at, at Fellowship Bible Church, we want to gather together to really, um, you know, what we see of a vision is transform lives, leaving a godly legacy. We're all doing that, no matter what, what situation or circumstance God has in our lives. So I want to talk about my family, your family, our families. And as we do that, we're in the book of Joshua. We're at one of the greatest times in Old Testament history. It's the time where Joshua finally led the conquest of the promised land. And you think about the life of Joshua. Man, when I get to heaven, I want, I want a lunch with the guy. I want to be able to, to talk and I've got some questions, but think about this just from what, what the Bible's revealed to us about Joshua. This was a guy who, like in Exodus chapter 33, 11, it says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is God talking to a man face to face. And, and, and then what it says, it says, And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So he saw all this happening. He saw God talking to Moses. And then he went up on Mount Sinai and he saw the Ten Commandments given to Moses. The Ten Commandments were said to be written by the hand of God. And he saw him. And then they walked down off the mountain and they saw the people worshiping the golden calf. He saw Moses lose it and in anger, throw the Ten Commandments on the ground where they smashed. And then he went and saw and called them back to repentance and worshiping the one true God. He was also someone who was sent out by Moses with 11 others to go scout out the promised land. This is promised land. It wasn't Israel's yet. And it was a land with really big forces, with larger people than than the children of Israel with much more technology than the children of Israel. And so 10 of the, 10 of the 12 guys said, yeah, we saw it. It's really good land, but we can't take it because they're too big. And, and Joshua forms with Caleb a minority report and says, yeah, they are big. It's really good land, but we got a greater God. And, and then, after Moses dies, the mantle of leadership goes to Joshua. He takes seven years to defeat all the people in that promised land and to resettle it with the 12 tribes. 
And now at the end of his life, he's 110 years old. Think about this life. He got the legacy from Moses. And then he's given the legacy and been participated in a legacy with the children of Israel. 600 years before this, God promised to Abraham, I will bless you and I will make a great name. And all the nations on earth will be blessed by you. And here he is at the end of his life. The land is at peace. It's been divided among the 12 tribes. He's about to die. And this is the legacy he gives them. Look at verses 14 of Joshua chapter 24. It says this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now look at this call. He's, he's calling all the tribes and all the families together to gather around the God who delivered them the God who provided them the promised land. And he says this, everyone needs to choose right now. Choose this day who you will serve. You can choose. And he gave them the options. There were gods your forefathers worshipped in Egypt. Like Ra, the sun god. who, and, and all the plagues that were targeted for every god in Egypt. That God would show him, I'm greater than Ra. I'm greater than all these other gods I'm the one true God. And the gods of the people's land that you just pushed out, I know they're attractive, but those gods, push them away. You could serve them. Choose this day. He drew the line and he said, you can only serve one. Choose this day. What is he telling us? He's telling us that a godly legacy is the result of a daily choice. If you take that Greek word, or excuse me, Hebrew word in, in the Old Testament there that he used for choose. I, um, I did a little background on this and this is what it means. It means choose once and for all, but once you've chosen, keep choosing. Choose this day, but tomorrow choose again. Choose this day, but in three weeks when you forget, choose it again. Don't stop choosing God. It wasn't this little ceremony that moved on. It was a daily practice. And a legacy is that. A legacy is a result of a lot of daily choices with your life. Joshua showed the daily choice of following God. You know what? We all can leave a godly legacy by choosing daily to do three things. Look at the first one here. To share God with my family. You can share God with your family each day. What do you share? First thing he shares is the story. Share God's story in your family. If you were to look uh, earlier back in in chapter 24, God kind of uh, tells them what he did for them. Look at verse 3. It says, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with all that I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. 
And then uh, skip down to verse 11. Look at this story again. And I went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Those are really cool names. We don't know what they mean, but they were really big people who terrified Israel. But God did it. And each one of them, they could go check, 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 check. God won, God won, God won, God won. And God is sharing that story again. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites. And he just kind of tells this story. This is the story of God. And we got to play a role in it. Do you know you, what you, you have a story? You have a story with God. And, and hopefully your story has intersected with Jesus at some point and you by faith put your trust in Jesus Christ. And that's the story. Your story has before Christ. Your story has when you met Christ. And now your story has, this is how my life is with Christ. And you may not have Jebusites or parasites in your story, but you've got a story. And it's been the faithfulness of God. And you know what? The greatest gift you can give to your kids is that story. Your history. God has his story in you. And so you need to share that. Your kids need to see that. People around you need to hear your story. Your story is a story about God and his working in your life. Secondly, not only your story, but you need to share the grace of God. You share his grace. Look at Look at this as we continue in verse 12. It says, It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. And exactly, I mean, a vineyard or an olive orchard, I mean, those things don't grow overnight. A vineyard, minimum, 10 years to get going. So they were planted and they were tended by others. But when they came in and God gave them the land, they were theirs. They were eating things they didn't do. That's God's grace. You have with Jesus, the Joshua of the New Testament, with Jesus, you have grace. None of us are here because we deserve it. None of us are here because we earned it. None of us can work for it. Otherwise, we discount grace. Grace is a gift from God because he loves you. And when you receive that, you live in grace. I counted how many times the personal pronoun of God, I, is mentioned in these 13 verses alone. 18 times. Explicitly. This is what I did for you and I took you out and I gave you and I provided and I pushed them out and I fought for you and I gave you. This is all of God. Your life and my life aren't about what we're doing. It's about what God is doing and our kids need to see that. The people around us don't need to hear, I'm Joe Hishma, look what I've done. Look at my successes. They need to see what God has done through you, in you, around you, for you. It's all about God. And his grace. When you share that story, your children want to be a part of the story of God. Your children will give God glory for his grace in their lives. We've got to share that story. Joshua called us to do that. And then he asks us not only to 
to uh, share God with our family, but he asks us to fear God with our family. Look at verse 14. It says, now, therefore, fear the Lord. Let's just stop there. Now, I spent a lot of time because I don't like the word fear, especially when it's God, because I've, if you're not careful and you don't, you aren't connected with the scriptures, you can go, oh, Jesus is just my best friend. He's my pal. He wants me to be happy. And just and my life needs to be one big rainbow after the next. And and yet, as you look at this word throughout the Old Testament, fear, I, after all the study, I just came down. This is what it means. It means to fear him. Yeah. Yeah. It means to fear him because of his power. God is powerful. They saw the power of God through their lives. And fear is not a negative thing when it keeps you from destructive behaviors, when it keeps you from destruction. I wouldn't want to mess after the events in Boston this weekend, this week. I wouldn't want to mess with the government of the United States. Sorry. Just wouldn't want to do that. Why? Because most people lose. Even worse, I wouldn't want to mess with the power of God. And so therefore, as I respect the power of God and fear him with a holy fear, man, what side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on his blessing or do you want to be on his wrath? Tell me blessing, please. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be on the blessing side of God because he will oppose me and he will win every time when I'm against him. You cannot win when you go against God. Look what Joshua learned about the power of God. In Joshua 1.5, the first chapter of Joshua, God says this to Joshua as he gives the leadership mantle from Moses to Joshua. He says this to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua, I am with you. Fear me more than you fear anything else in your life. And as a parent, I fear a lot of things. When my kids were little, I'd fear if they'd make it through the night. So we had to make sure that kid didn't roll over on his stomach because when you roll over on stomach, there's the concern that the child will choke to death at night. So I'd have the baby monitor and I'd be like that with the baby. And then when the baby went, ah, I would get up, you know, no matter what time, and I'd go and move the baby over. And then the baby started choking when you're feeding it. And you change all your life, and then the baby grows up and gets into school. He's not like, he's not as tall as the other kindergartners. And we compare our kids, and we're afraid about that. And then we get him into sports. Oh, he didn't hit the ball out of the park like that other kid who's, who's 10 and has a mustache. You know, we, we <laughs> always are worried about our kids. And then... When they drive, look out, we fear all the time. And then when they're about to graduate, will they get into the school they want to? Will they have the grades? Will they get into the fraternity? And we worry about all these these things. But we don't worry where their heart is with God. We don't always worry when they have a lot of sports or they have a lot of scholarships, but they don't have Jesus. We don't worry about that. Come on. Fear where your kids are without God in their lives. 
fear where you are without God in your life. See, you've got to fear the power of God like this. And, and then we also need to fear his plan. Joshua is called to conquer the promised land. Look what God said in verse 6 of chapter 1. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Joshua, you're the man. Stay in the plan. Be strong and courageous. It's going to take that courage of a godly fear for you to hang on to my hand as I provide this land to you. But you must be follow, follow me. You must fear what my plan is and what you are, what a, what a plan your plan would be away from my plan. God has a plan for each of us. It's of hope. It's a future. And we're called to fear that. We want to be families that are looking at the plan of God and following the plan of God for our lives. You know what the plan is in the New Testament? Make disciples. How's your family doing with that? Making disciples. It's not just for you. It's for others. It's your family being an instrument by God to reach other families, other people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ, who need the hope that you already have. You need to fear being outside of that plan, pursuing your own plan as a family. And then, not only should we share God with our families, not only should we fear God with with my family, but we're also called to follow God with my family. Let's continue reading in that verse 14. It says, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Just pause there. Here, Joshua is kind of the the poster child of following God in in the Old Testament. You, you see this, that he followed with sincerity is the first thing he called them to. to. With sincerity, not a half-hearted obedience, not a casual observation, but an authentic commitment to who God is and what he's calling him to do. Remember when we were in 2 Corinthians and we read this about where Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely towards you. In other words, they weren't in it for themselves. You're not in this for yourself. You've got to be a sincere person who sincerely seeks after Christ, not someone who just comes to church, but someone who lives this apart from this place. We have an hour and a half with your children at Tops. On a weekend. Transformation cannot happen within just over an hour with your child. Transformation has to happen with you following God in your home. With sincerity. That doesn't always mean that your walk with Jesus is going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. Do you, do you still follow with sincerity? Perfection isn't in here. But are you sincere? Sincerely following Christ. Do your, your kids see you struggling? Sometimes even in your faith so that they can see a sincere mom or dad. Do your friends see that sincerity in you? A godly, loving sincerity in you. Follow with sincerity. And then the other word is with faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the legacy of Joshua. He wasn't the most wealthy person, but he sure was wise. He wasn't the most gifted individual, but he was the most faithful that I've seen. He's not the most magnetic person, but he was obedient. 
every day of his life. And he wasn't the most visionary person or leader, but he was the most courageous one that were provided in the Old Testament. Folks, you don't have to lead thousands of people to be a faithful person. God calls each of us to be faithful right where we're at. Single, married, with kids, without kids, with grandchildren, with great-grandchildren. God just calls for faithfulness. That's what he honors. Isn't that the legacy of what Jesus called us into? When he said in Matthew twenty-five twenty-one, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's the legacy we're given for eternity when we're faithful. I want that, don't you? We're called into this. But you know, uh, faithfulness, most of this, the words on that as you continue reading is not just faithfulness to God, but it's turning away from all the other gods. There's two types of gods that Joshua mentions here, and they were very real in their lives, and they're very real in ours. The first gods are mentioned of the gods of our forefathers that were in Egypt. And those, it's kind of interesting because you've got people who are still struggling with generational gods that were known and worshipped 400 years earlier, 200 years earlier. Gods of Egypt, when they, when they were back in Egypt, another generation was worshiping these gods, but they were still worshiping them. And then the gods of the Amorites, and this was the land that they just took possession of. And there were other gods in there, and kind of a pantheon of gods that they worshiped. And they were called to step away from those gods. What does this mean to us today? Well, there are gods that your family has have struggled with. Uh, some of you have been sexually abused. Sexual immorality is a god. And, and you know how that has scarred you. And it has maybe even been repeated from generation to generation. Others of us have anger gods. You know, the god of anger. That you just were angry all your life because your dad was angry and his dad was angry and his dad before him was angry. You just have angry men descending down from your life. Others of us have um, alcohol. That's constantly abuse of alcohol over and over and over. You've just repeated what's been given to you. Others, it's materialism. And, and your dad provided really well. So you want to provide really, really well. And you're just you're fearful of life without. So you just shower people with gifts. And all of a sudden, you just are materialistic. That's your God. And it's passed down from generation to... Others are family pride. We are Hishmas, you know? Your name doesn't have to be Kennedy before you have family pride. And, and therefore, you, you have shame and guilt because your children aren't measuring up to your family name. I can't tell you how many people have been raised with the family God of what would people think? And you're more concerned about what people will think of you than you're concerned about what God thinks for your life. See, that's a family God. In order to follow God faithful, we've got to put those gods away. And I don't know what your God is from your family, but you probably could tell me what it was or what it is because it keeps 
poking it up its head in your life. And it's time for you to put away those gods. And then it's the gods of your culture, the gods that you experience right now. And it could be your image, uh, your, your desire for acceptance. It could be um, success or your picture of success. It could be insecurity and it, it causes you to live in fear and worry. Worry. It could be pleasure. It could be sports. Sports is a huge God or dance or recitals. We can have where, where our kids are just so focused on that and we're so committed to them that God doesn't just have a place in our family anymore. And so I think we need to talk about this because a godly legacy is the result of daily choices to share God and to fear God and to follow God with my family. We must make that daily choice to turn away from these gods, to share, fear, and follow God. Let me just pause real quickly because I know I'm, I'm stepping on some toes. I love sports, okay? Um, my son who's graduating right now will have four varsity letters in three sports for his high school career. And we're really proud about that, okay? But I could care less about each one of those varsity letters if he wasn't walking with the Lord. And I will tell you, we structured it so that he didn't have to miss going to church on the weekend to be involved in sports like that. And the reality is, I think it's important for all of us too. I have sons that are very busy. But you know what? This is a pretty easy church to go to with Saturday night services and Sunday morning service. So when baseball and soccer come up and you're making a choice away from the things of God to a good thing that's become a God thing, we need to be able to step back on that. And we need to say what's most important. We need to be people who choose this day what's going to win. Because sports will win, and they are winning. And there's a lot of families that just have sports as their focus, or dance, or you just put in the word that our kids can be attracted to. I'm not poking on fun of one. They're all great things. And our kids can be involved, involved in them, but they can't be a God thing. Because you don't want your child to enter into a college environment where they're good at academics, And they're great in sports, but they don't have Jesus. And who's going to make that decision for them right now? You are. And you need to lead. Every one of you. Single moms, two-parent homes, we need to make that decision now. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to choose. You've got options. You've got the gods of your forefathers, You've got your gods of the culture or you have the one true God, the God who has rescued your soul from eternal destruction and brought you into the glorious light of the son he loves. Who's going to win in your family? Who's going to win right now, even before you're married with your life? What I want you to do right now is just have a moment of reflection. Ask yourself a question. Who's going to win in my life right now? If I had to choose this day, who would I choose?
You may not know how it's going to look. You may not know. I mean, I'm not going to be a, you know, someone who tells you every application of this. I want the Holy Spirit to do that. But a simple choice. Decide this day whom you will serve. Would you just bow your heads with me right now in a moment? And I'm just going to speak for my family. And here's something I want you to do. If you feel that today is the day where you would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What I'd like you to do, and just I don't do this every week, I'm going to ask you to stand up and say out loud, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who would make that choice today? Can I pray for you? Would everyone stand up now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these these homes represented by each person in this room who are willing to choose you this day, not because of guilt or because of peer pressure, but because you are the one true God in their lives. As, As we all now who have stood and proclaimed to you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May you be the Lord of our home. And Lord, we look to a future time where our children and their children and their children's children love you and follow you and fear you and share you with everyone in their lives. To you be the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.